If you could all turn with me, please, to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious." In that day, the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time to recover the remnant that remains of his people, from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Cush, from Elam, from Shinar, from Hamath, and from the coastlands of the sea. He will raise a signal for the nations and will assemble the banished of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. You may be seated. When the carving of Mount Rushmore started in 1927, it took about 14 years until the four faces had been fully completed and carved into the mountainside. And the plan for whose portrait was to be placed on the mountainside, whose portrait was to be sculpted on the mountainside was was uh, established well in advance. But for someone who is unfamiliar with the plan, who is just at the base of the mountain, looking up at the work going on above them, they wouldn't have been able to make out the faces of who was being carved into the mountainside until the project was almost completed and the features were fully formed. The prophet Isaiah, perhaps more than any other prophet in the Old Testament, paints a portrait of the coming Messiah for us. And throughout his book, he uh, progressively reveals more and more about the Messiah, what his life would look like, what his purpose would be, and what he would accomplish. And tonight I want us to look at what chapter 11 of Isaiah uh, reveals to us about the Messiah. And we're going to look at how that's fulfilled by Jesus. So the first revelation we have is that the coming Messiah would be a spirit-filled king. In verse 1, Isaiah writes, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Now when the Israelites would have heard this prophecy, they would have immediately rejoiced. Finally, a good king. We're so sick and tired of the terrible kings that we've had. 
And actually at the time of the prophecy, uh, the kingdom of Judah had had six terrible kings in its history. And the nation of Israel did even worse. They had had 20 kings, 20 terrible kings, back to back to back to back. You know, we often get frustrated just by one or two bad presidents. But imagine having 20 kings back to back that were just wicked and awful. The, the people of Israel would have been longing and craving for a good king. And the king that Isaiah prophesies is not just a good king, but a spirit-filled king. And why was that so important? Well, the people of Israel realized that when the king was led by the Holy Spirit, the people prospered and they flourished. But when the king was led by his own desires, by what he thought was right and wrong, the, the people suffered. And a prime example of this is King Saul. If we look at the life of Saul, when he originally started uh, to rule and reign, it says in the Old Testament that the Spirit of God rushed upon him. And during this period of his life, the King Saul, um, he, he flourished, and the, the nation of Israel flourished, and Israel prospered. However, due to Saul's disobedience, God withdrew his spirit from King Saul. And that marked... Um, that marked the, the beginning of the decline of Saul's life and the nation of Israel under his rule and reign. However, the Messiah, the king that uh, Isaiah prophesied, was not going to be a king like King Saul. The Spirit of God was going to rest on him forever. And we find that Jesus fulfills this prophecy in Luke chapter 3, when the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus in bodily form and there's a voice from heaven that says, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. We have the option of following two spirits in this world. There's the spirit of this world and then there's the Holy Spirit. The spirit of this world tries to compete with the Holy Spirit. It tries to claim that it is wise. It tries to claim that it knows what's best for you. And you don't have to go far to see, uh, to see the spirit of this world at work. If you just go on social media, you'll find a jumble of one-liners from the spirit of this world claiming, just follow this advice, just follow this nugget of gold and you'll be fine and you'll be happy and you'll be fulfilled. You know, the world will say that you just have to follow your heart but there's so many people that have followed the lusts of their own heart to their own destruction and the destruction of their families and even their careers. The world says, you just need to love yourself. That's what's missing. If you would just love yourself, then you would feel fulfilled. But there's so many people that have loved parts of themselves that Jesus commanded them to die to. And when they've done this, they, they've noticed a detriment in their own life. Uh, they've noticed that they're not happier. They're not more fulfilled as the world promises. With Jesus as our king, we have access to the same Holy Spirit that rested upon him. We have access to the spirit of wisdom and understanding, which leads us away from destruction, with, which leads us away from sin. We have the spirit of counsel and might, which gives us strength in times of adversity. And we have the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, which gives us confidence in the sovereignty of our God. We know that our God is the greatest. We know that our God is unstoppable and unshakable, and we have nothing to fear, even in times of adversity. Next, we see that 
the prophet Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah would be a just king. In verse 3, Isaiah writes, And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. Recently, the uh, Supreme Court took up the case of Dobbs versus Jackson, which has the potential to overturn Roe versus Wade. And like many people who believe in the sanctity of life, who believe that life is a precious gift from God meant to be protected, we tuned in to listen to the oral arguments that are presented before the court. We tried to pay close attention to hear what questions the judges were asking. We tried to see, were they being swayed to the left or to the right by the arguments that they were hearing? The Messiah that Isaiah prophesies by contrast, it says that he will not judge by what he sees or by what he hears. And this raises the question, how is he supposed to judge? How is, how is he supposed to be a good judge if he won't even look at the evidence before him, if he won't even listen to the arguments presented before him? But I believe this is the first hint that we have in chapter 11, chapter 11 that the Messiah is someone who would be divine. The reason why the Messiah doesn't need to wait to have someone bring evidence before his eyes, the reason why the Messiah doesn't need to wait to have arguments brought before his ears is because the Messiah already knows the inner workings of man's heart. He already knows what's in man's heart, which is why he can judge righteously. And we see that Jesus had this intuition. We see that Jesus had this perfect knowledge of man's heart. For example, in uh, John chapter 2, verse 24, it says, But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them, because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man. For he himself knew what was in man. You know, these days, Christians often get accused of being judgmental. But what we've seen in the last couple of years is that the world is far more judgmental than Christians ever were. And on top of that, we see that the, the notion of justice that the world has is a twisted notion. It's a perverted notion of justice. The world will call things which are good, evil, It'll call things which are evil, good. It will turn vices into virtues and virtues into vices. And on top of that, the world judges superficially. It will judge you by the color of your skin even. It'll say you are evil or you're an oppressor just because of the color of your skin or just because you dare to affirm the teachings of the Bible. But the promise that we have in chapter 11 is that the Messiah will judge with righteousness. Now Jesus in his first coming, uh, Jesus did not come to judge the world, but he came to save the world. But we know that Jesus is coming back again. And at his second coming, he will come as a righteous judge and he will come to make things right. He will come to deal with the evil on the earth. And finally, we see that the Messiah, the Messiah's reign will bring peace to the earth. In verse 6, Isaiah writes, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, 
and the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isaiah here prophesies that the Messiah would bring a revolutionary type of peace. And we as Christians, we believe that this will be fully and perfectly fulfilled um, during Jesus' 1,000-year rule and reign over the earth, known as the millennium. But I believe that we do find a partial fulfillment of this prophecy in Jesus' first coming. Jesus did bring about a revolutionary kind of peace. He brought about a peace between God and man. He provided a way for us to be restored to God, even though we had sin, even though we had things that we all regret, that we're all ashamed of. Jesus made a way for us to be reconciled with God. You know, anyone who's tried to go on a diet may know that it's pretty hard to stick to a diet. You know, the first day of your diet, you have a lot of willpower and you're, you're actually even excited. You tell yourself, yes, this is a, it's gonna be a new me. I'm gonna shed a couple pounds. You know, I'm gonna have more energy. And second day rolls around, third day rolls around, you're, you're still feeling good, but you know, maybe the fourth day you decide to go to the grocery store and you're, you're walking your cart past the aisle with all the Twinkies and bam, before you know it, you filled your shopping cart with a bunch of junk food and you've broken your diet. Why is it so hard for us to stick to diets? It's because our appetites and our natures are hard to change by our own power alone. But what Isaiah prophesies is that the Messiah's uh, the Messiah's coming, the Messiah's reign would actually bring a change to the nature and appetite of creation. We see that the Messiah would change the nature and the appetite of the lion. The lion would no longer crave to eat meat, but he would eat straw. We see that the Messiah would bring a change to the nature and appetite of the bear. We see that the Messiah would bring a change to the nature and appetite of the wolf. And this raises the question, who is this Messiah? Who is this Messiah that can bring about a change to the nature and appetite of even the most ferocious of animals? Well, it's the same Messiah that can bring a change to the nature and appetite of mankind. 2 Corinthians chapter 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. It's Jesus Christ that brings a change to our nature. It's Jesus Christ that makes us into new creations. It's Jesus Christ, through, through his grace, that helps subdue our sinful appetites and actually gives us new appetites to love what is holy and hate that which is wicked. You know, we're coming to the close of the year, and a lot of people set their, uh, their New Year's resolutions. And... Um, there's probably a lot of people that every year they have the same New Year's resolution. Maybe there's an addiction or a stronghold of sin in their life. And maybe you think to yourself, you know, this is going to be the year of liberation. This is going to be the year that I'm finally 
going to be set free. This is going to be the year that I'll finally overcome. And year by year by year, you notice that you fall into the same sins. You notice that you look at that which you shouldn't look at. You notice that you gossip about the people that you shouldn't be gossiping about. You notice that you, you have bitterness in your, in your heart that you haven't forgiven those who have wronged you. Jesus alone can change your nature. Jesus alone can break those patterns of addiction. Jesus alone can set you free. And it's his grace that sets you free when you realize that Jesus paid the price already, that he's already forgiven you, that he transforms you, that he gives you the power to fight against sin. You can be free and you can be liberated. So this, this coming year, um, my hope and prayer for Bethesda is that we wouldn't set our eyes on just the gifts or the presents or the, the Christmas parties or the New Year's parties, but we would look at our perfect Messiah who is a spirit-filled king, who is a just king, and who brings peace to the world. Amen.